episode uh welcome back you know, it's from, back i mean hopefully you know we have recurring listeners so not you know, after and last I, week's not after last week's episode which should have been called fuck you listeners we don't care about no, you. what we did is we we separated the wheat from the chaff <laughs> um so if you're still listening welcome back yeah right. welcome you back you are a true believer you have yeah, passed we the passed test your test because you know we're gonna blow up pretty soon we're gonna be, we're gonna become huge and we we don't we want to separate you the loyal listeners from the the hangers on the people right. who are gonna Jump, uh, jump on us when we once we get cool. Yeah, the people who started reading Harry Potter around about book four, right? Yeah, like exactly. That, you know those a holes. Yeah, so you guys, once we, because once we get a, a listenership, we'll probably you know uh, call it call it again with another experimental uh, noise collective uh, episode. And so we, <laughs> yeah, you know, we gotta we gotta make you work for your uh, overthought uh, sociological analysis of Gossip Girl and Glee. So we thank you. We thank you for returning. So welcome back. Welcome truly. back. Uh, truly. I am Matthew Rather. It's my week to be in charge, so the sound quality will be much better. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense though. Sick because burn. Sick burn. But that doesn't make sense because it's not like I like like have a different computer. Or, you know, it's not like I record it when you uh, when when I'm the host. Uh, no, it's is true. it it's is true. it just that when I'm the host, I also decide I make it my prerogative to like like rub my microphone on my face more frequently or something? <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of in, sense. Breathe into it. Eat eat during uh, eat during broadcasting. I, I guess all I, I break all the rules. There must be like rules for sound quality and podcasting. I break all of them. When okay, I host. we are going to get into Gossip Girl and Glee, including thank you, uh, thank you, my host, thank you, <laughs> oh, host, my host, including Cotillion, the threesome, gayness, and the uh, the identity politics. Well, first, Matt, do we have any do we have any meaningful listener feedback? No, not after that last episode. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if anyone listened to it. And let's explain about that. It was very late at night. Like, it was late for me, and I'm on the West Coast when we recorded that. Yeah, well, it wasn't that late for you. It was what? It was like midnight East Coast time? Yeah, midnight or one East Coast time. And we're not going to do that anymore. Right now, it is a, uh, it is a balmy Sunday afternoon uh, here in beautiful Los Angeles where my toilet keeps overflowing. Well, that's uh, relevant to the podcast, <laughs> isn't it? And uh, you know, so um, so yes, we are we are uh, alive, alert, awake, enthusiastic. Our wits are sharp. Uh, we are we are ready to overthink. But uh, so, if you want to respond to anything you hear in this podcast, you can give us an email at podcast at overthinkingit.com. Uh, and you can uh, check us out at, on Twitter. Uh, we're going to put, we don't have a Twitter handle yet. You know, we're going to get on Twitter and we'll tell you about it in the next It's, pro- it's probably going to be TFT podcast, uh, um, you know, twitter.com slash TFT podcast. Unless that's not, unless that's uh, not available, in which case it will be something else. But well, what podcast, podcast would have that in like the, like what? The, the, techno- farming, the farming technology forum today. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think it'll be that you can, so you can get us on Twitter. We're in iTunes. I think I told you that. And we actually, we wanted to, um, we wanted to enlist your help 
to uh, help spread the word about this show. We're, we're pretty uh, amazed at the subscription numbers, at what they are, but, you know, we could still be, uh, we could still be more. So will you tweet your friends about the show? Will you put a link to the, uh, to the show notes page on overthinkingit.com and, uh, you know, do a tiny URL, or what do the kids do these days, a bit.ly of that? Yeah, or is, is good. Yeah, and is good, and post it on the waffles. Post it on the waffles. <laughs> yes, please torrent our site in high quality uh, AIFF lossless format. Um, on the and, waffles. And, and put it on the waffles. That's actually not a terrible idea. Uh, Especially if we like label it as like new Arcade Fire album. <laughs> We're gonna put, like, we'll, that, that, I think that's what will put us right over the top. Flack. <laughs> Hey, yeah, uh, Ryan, you read New York five. Magazine, don't you? I do, I do. The, did you see the Indie Rock cover of the uh, current issue? Or at least I did. I mean, I, I, I skimmed it. I, I read about, um, I have to say, I wish there were like something like an Indie Rock futures market, because I actually called the Dirty Projectors thing. Um, oh, did you? They, like, were the, they were the only, I had not heard of them. And I was, I mean, like, I've heard of Grizzly Bear. I knew about MGMT, right? But I didn't know about Dirty Projectors, so... God, I yeah, should no. Uh... So well, so because Longstreth, uh, Dave Longstreth, was my year at Yale before he sort of took uh... a year off. Um, so I actually saw him play at the at the Dwight the Dwight Hall Chapel for like a you know, one of my friends' bands was playing. So I saw a very early incarnation of the Dirty Projectors. Um, but then, I mean, they were actually pretty. I mean, they were never a noise collective, but they were like sort of an experimental, like compositional wank, wank, wank collective um, for a while. And then I saw them like about like two years ago, um, they kind of transformed into a like kind of tight um, sort of Afro pop kind of like talking heads uh, rock band um, and, and, and put out this, this album that was like a remake I was like a song for song remake of Black Flag's Damage, but with the with the, the sort of premise that he was remaking the album after having not listened to it for 15 years. And so he was remaking it from memory. And it comes out as this really interesting sort of composed uh, sort of rock, like rock yet chamber yet like like West African pop album. And I sort of called I saw them play at the Whitney summer of 2007. And I sort of you know, said to Rachel the dirty projectors are going to be the next big important band. And she huh. laughed. She laughed at me. So I will gloat, but this is not about, unfortunately this is not our podcast about the, the in- independent music. Um, although we could probably podcast about that um, because I have lots of opinion opinions, but yeah. So well, we go into indie rock. The reason we go into indie rock is because the Josh Schwartz shows like the OC and gossip girl all have, um, you know, big indie rock, uh, they all have big indie rock, you know, stuff. Well, true. I mean, like the, the music, uh, especially the music on Gossip Girl, uh, sort of is where sort of indie rock bubbles into, into like pop, right? Like the, the, like MGMT, uh, has been featured multiple times on Gossip Girl. Um, oh, just as a, as a, as a side note about, uh, I mean, I think MGMT, it can be soundly not called indie rock anymore because, uh, I was in, out in, uh, downtown Boston last night, um, uh, in, in the Fanwell Hall area, which is like one of the very clubby sort of, uh, areas, uh, in, in Boston. And we were walking past, you know, row upon row of, of, of tavern and pub. And, uh, one of the cover bands there was actually playing kids by MGMT. Wow. Uh, in one of these. And, and then, then when we walked by later, they were playing float on by modest mouse. So I actually, actually really wanted to go to that, um, 
that bar, but no, none of the rest of the crew that I was with uh, was interested in seeing what other like indie songs were being appropriated by a bar band. Um, but I was very so that is um, I don't know if it was like you know because well, that's the, usually like Bon Jovi is usually the uh, right or Jesse's girl like <laughs> right yeah well that's that's apparently Jesse has the hottest girlfriend in all of Boston so every <laughs> band every every cover band leader is is pining after Jesse's girl but no about, this is that about Uncle Jesse. Um, I, I don't, it can be sure it is now. Uh, all right, let's get into gossip girl. Let's Let's, get into gossip girl. And, and, uh, just so you know, it is TFT podcast now on Twitter. I just created that. Well, which is why I wanted Ryan to do a big disquisition on indie rock. Oh God. I feel so used. (laughs) I feel so used just like. Just like uh, like many of the little peons in Jenny and Blair's various cotillion schemes um, in in Gossip Girl, how's that? How's that for a segue? This is like Gossip Girl. Seven, is, seven Gossip Girl is the is the great woman theory of history, right? Of social history, anyway, right? Because it's like it sees history as fundamentally a clash of of extraordinary personalities. Well, right. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's absolutely. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, when you have, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of, you know, structure and agency in various shows. Um, we're not going to get into too much here, but like in a lot of these like ensemble cast shows, they're very kind of structural shows. I mean, I'm thinking about shows like The Wire. I'm thinking about kind of shows, even Mad Men to a certain extent. Hey, Ryan, unpack a little bit what you mean when you say structural, because that's something that we've said a lot, like structural versus individualistic, right? But, sure. Um, but what well, do you, what I, do you I mean guess, when you say that? So I guess one of the, one simple way to sort of break it down is so you can have two views of kind of how action happens in in sort of society or in a social world. One is that sort of individuals have a lot of control over what they do uh, and and sort of shaping their own own destiny. Uh, destiny, and so that those are views that have to do a lot with agency, right? We care about individuals and the choices they make, um, and so. And that, that plays out in, you know, narrative in a certain number of ways of sort of focusing on individuals and individual choice as the kind of operative kind of uh, narrative structures. Um, I shouldn't use the word structure because I'm now about to use structure in another way. But anyhow. Narrative uh, forms, say. forms, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, then structural kinds of theories in the social sciences are about, um, are, are generally focused on the sort of institutions or or, or constraints that kind of close in and close off the the, uh, the the options for individual action and choice. So that um, you know, and there's a, a variety of structural views, but they're um, what they have in common is that really all all individual agency is highly circumscribed um, and and is is very much bound and and shaped by these uh, institutions or economic uh, forces. Um, how was that? Yeah, right, right. That is that is to say, it's the system, man. Yeah, it's the system, man. Society. Society doesn't want me to do this. And uh, there's, a, there's a very influential essay, isn't there, by Cornell West uh, that talks about these two things, especially with regard to race and um, these two uh, ways of understanding and kind of points out um, – uh, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, in a sense. Like he I wa- think that well, there is he wants um, both I'm, to be a professor and to record hip hop albums. Well, I, that is definitely one thing that he and I have in common. So, <laughs> um, 
Um, I, I can't, I can't begrudge him that. Yeah, I mean that was a, a um, <laughs> yeah, and your your employer won't fire you because they learned their lesson with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He he paved the way uh, <laughs> uh, for for me. I, I'll definitely give him a shout out. In the of my, uh, Represent of my Cornell West. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, I'll, I'll pour something out. For, I'll pour out, I'll pour out a soy latte for him or something like that. <laughs> um, boy. Um, but so let me – yeah, so I think that there are other people who like to – Anthony Giddens, who's like a British sociology, so, sociologist and was also kind of involved with uh, Tony Blair's politics early on, kind of also wanted to have one of these – having the cake and eating it too, at least in the sort of theories where I, like he came up with an idea called structuration theory that like is a way that in which, um, you know, at certain points and in certain contexts, individual agency can reshape structures. Right. So I feel like Mad Men actually falls the most into that kind of, um, uh, that kind of category. Um, but what I was going to say is, so a lot of shows that have big ensemble casts are very much, about sort of are, are very structural usually, right? So The Wire is a really good case of this where, you know, the, the decisions that people make are um, very much about sort of shaped by, you know, these, whether it's failed urban institutions or about economic, you know, uh, about economic incentives. And so a, a sort of um, ensemble cast works well for that because you're showing, you know, lots of different slices of life or seeing how these forces impact people in different ways or, or, uh, or, you know, what have you. But Gossip Girl is interesting in that it is also, um, very much an ensemble cast show, but it is very kind of agency. It, it is, there, there's a lot of, um, it, like you said, it, there is this kind of great woman, uh, theory to it. Right. So that right. like on one hand, yes, there is a lot about economic structure, but within the the sort of these parameters, there also is it, like history is not just about these massive slow moving forces so much as about these personalities. Um, I mean, no, I think it remains way, seen, right, yeah. in a way the um, it it has always been thus and and will ever be thus. At least that's Blair's sociology, right? That is to say, there are structural forces at work, but there but the uh, the show the the um, action of the narrative is delimited within. Uh, one social class that is uh, 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 meant to be understood as secure. Right. Well, right. Well, and there is like a, I mean, you see this throughout with Blair um, and sometimes they, it almost seems like they're going to teach her a lesson, but not, but she actually views this as not just a way the world is, but it's the way the world should be. Right. It's a, it's a normative thing for her. Right. Um, they, they and need so, a, the people need a queen. Right. Well, exactly. And, and that, you know, that people, you know, she should be Jenny's mentor for, for Cotillion. And, you know, there, there's like a very, a set of ways that things should be done. Um, and, right. and, and because that is, that is what makes the world a good world. Um, well that like, you see, right. This is a good, this is a good thing. Like what is at stake and what isn't at stake? What is at stake is sort of Blair's position within the ruling class. A lot of time, what isn't at stake is the idea of there being a ruling class at all. Right, 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 right. Um, but I think what's interesting about what's going on with this season, you know, cause at first I wasn't sure how they were going to, um, work the show with a lot of the cast going off to college. Um, and right. then Jenny still being in high school. And I think it's actually working really well because it's yeah. creating several different, um, levels. Um, and, and so that you, on one, you get plots where, 
you kind of um, get, you know, Blair crossing back into the world of high school. Um, and, uh, and, and then on the other level, totally believable also because yeah, right, like, exactly, exactly. I wrote, I think I wrote, I was a freshman in college. I wrote a letter to my high school paper when there was an article. Sure. Sure. Off, yeah. Right? For the, for, for, for your freshman year of, uh, of college, there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of looking backwards, right? It's why a lot right. of like in your sophomore of, year, there's a lot of like stinky unshavenness, you know, picking the cold <laughs> right. pizza off yourself as you wake up on a you know strange futon in the morning. Right. Well, I was just, I was just gonna say, you know, your underwear <laughs> hanging from the your underwear hanging from the the uh, pyramid made of cases of natty light. So, uh, so sophomore year, natty is a ice. Lot. Never mind. So, so sophomore year is a lot like being in graduate school. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, what was I going to say? The, well, the other thing about like the backward lookingness of freshman year of college is I think that's exactly why so many um, first semester freshman year college relationships end at Thanksgiving um, because the um, and this this happened to me freshman year the girl that I was kind of uh, you mean high seeing, school relationship? No, no, no. So what happens is that you there's a few it goes a few ways. Um, so yes, sometimes like. Like high school relationships end in the first semester of college, yeah. But I think that there's an undocumented phenomenon where, like, two college people start seeing each other, and then they go home for Thanksgiving and re- actually rekindle with the uh, the high school flame that had been broken up with. Um, this this happened to me um, in in college, so maybe oh, I'm really? general. Yeah, I think it's more common than than uh, it's an. Un- and we seem to have lost Ryan. Are you still with us? Like, oh, what? we we lost you for a whole second. You said uh, really? you think it's a you think it's a uh, phenomenon that it it's, happened uh, to you. Understudied. It's understudied. Right. Well, because the the dominant uh, paradigm is that um, you know you go home and break up with your high school flame because you're you're into college and you know have bigger and browner things that you're interested in now. Right, but I think that right. So I mean, that's what this show is all about—is overturning uh, dominant paradigms. Um, <laughs> so, so wait. So I want to get back to the high school college thing. So, so there's one level at which um, you 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 sort of have um, Blair coming back in, and it, it's cool because this kind of um, introduces a level of it makes the show not only about sort of domestic politics in the ways that we've talked before, but it almost, it almost introduces a, a certain amount of, of international relations, right? Because you have sort of um, separate units that are, um, that are interacting with each other, right? And so you have Blair's sort of social world, her minions, um, and, and she's kind of, I mean, yes, she is on one hand part of the still like Upper East Side social network, but I think it's also... There is um, a, a sense in her relationship with Jenny. You know, Jenny sort of says, well, you know, believes you're, you're not my queen anymore, right? There's not a re- relationship of hierarchy between the two of them. Um, so it's kind of more like the relationship between sort of sovereign states or something like that, or, or, at, yep, least between, sure. or at least between like a kind of a, like a, col- a colonizer and, uh, and a colony or something like that, right? So it's, it, it creates a new kind of dynamic, and we can get back to that. A, for, in a, a former colony. You mean a former colony? I guess so. I mean, yeah, right. So, right. It's, it's mostly like the way that, like, like it's like, like the relationship between Britain and Kenya or something like that. Yeah, um, or between France and, and, you know, the Republic of Congo or something. Uh Let's see. Yeah, that, that is right. I think you oh, no, actually no, no, got no. Belgium. That. Sorry, Belgium. No, no, no. No, no, no. I think I think you actually got that right because there's the Rock, uh, the Republic of Congo, 
is, I believe, the one that was French. And then DROC, um, uh, the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, was the one that was Belgian. So there, um, was, there was Belgian Congo, then it was Zaire, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then it was, Now it's Congo again? Now it's, but it's, it's the DROC, the, 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 Demo, the Democratic uh, Republic of the, uh, of the Congo versus the, the ROC. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm pretty Gentlemen, sure that's... welcome to the D-Rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that's like that sounds like that would be something that would be said in the like action movie remake of like uh, Heart of Darkness or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, which is uh, Heart you heard of it, Darkness it, too. <laughs> too. Too heart, too dark. <laughs> um, so... Oh, more horrible, more horrible. <laughs> Right, right. Um, more horror, or um, so. Now, I mean, wait, wait, let's talk I wanna, about Blair. I, let's talk about Blair hanging out, like, like, swimming. Before you case. do this, let me let me finish one more thought, one more level of analysis, and then we'll go back to Blair. If that's please, all right. Please, thank you. I'm gonna let me. I'm, I'm gonna let myself finish. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, but so 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 so. Um, the other way Shirley, that I'm think- happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm just gonna say that the Dutch had some of the best colonies <laughs> of all time. Of all time, they did really. They really did. Indonesia, um, <laughs> awesome. Um, so I think the other uh, the other level in which the kind of college uh, high school separation is working really well is that you now have Jenny going through a lot of the same. Um, the same, the same sort of rituals um, of this social order that um, sort of Blair and uh, and and Serena did before, right? And so, and this is actually a place where you get to see the extent to whether they're, you know, in some ways, it's an interesting test case for understanding how much uh, agency the writers of Gossip Girl are allowing into their world. And so far as if it were a purely structural world, Jen. Cotillion would look exactly the same as Blair and Serena's Cotillion, which was also, I believe, a that was a, a season one plot point, I believe. Um, yeah. I'm not. I think. I think it was. Um, so I think it's like a really. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of other things repeated, um, and I think it could be. It will be really interesting as we kind of or follow. Debutante, right, like debutante ball. It's not just a cotillion, isn't it? It's like their debut. Their society. I, 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 you are asking the absolute wrong person um, in terms of at least you know. I guess as a sort of amateur sociologist of these things, I should know. But as someone who, um, I guess there was a, a debutante thing in. Um, in Lancaster County, but it, you know, it was like, you know, you, ha- you raise the barn, uh, and then, <laughs> and, then, and then you, and then you enter, and then you enter Amish society after, you, after, after your, after your room springer. Um, so, so, so I think those are two different layer, layers in which this, the, the high school college relationship are interesting. Uh, let's, let's go back to the first though. I think you had a point, you had something to say well, about that. I wanted that. to say like, this is, it's, it's funny because Blair is getting involved in, she's the only one one who approves of her jumping in to swim with the kitties. Yeah, that's right? true. Like it's seen as kind of a personal failing as like a not being able to let go and, and sort of move on mm-hmm. uh, or like wanting to retreat to the safety of high school society, which is, uh, uh, which is, let's say a single party system, right. Rather right, than, right, right, right. rather than college society, which is a, uh, like there isn't the the same kind of big man on campus. Or it's, big- it's pluralist. It's 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 very heavily. It's what uh, 
Yale political, former Yale political scientist Robert Dahl would call polyarchy, right? That that right. it's it's there are many 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 centers of power, right? Um, partially just because the 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 network is bigger, there's more interests, it's more diverse for a variety of reasons, right? Um, and there are more resources, right? Yeah. So that so that you can get a decent size, it's a bigger pie, so right. everyone can be content with a relatively exactly. smaller, though in absolute terms probably yep. larger piece. Yep. You, you just more or less uh, unknowingly articulated one of the sort of theories for why uh, why democracies are richer uh, on average than uh, than dictatorships. Um, or there's the, oh, is that the, a fact? I didn't know yeah, that, the, that had been that it. There's, 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 there's yeah, there's a big study. Theorist. There's another political scientist uh, named Adam Jaworski. That's and there's a, there's a a correlation between. Uh, democracy and and GDP per capita, and so uh, actually a huge research program in political science, science from like the '60s up until up until present has been understanding this this correlation, understanding which way the causal arrow flows, um, or if there's another kind of third thing that is that is causing both of those. So again, I, I've said it before. I said it again. So, social science is missing you. Um, you yeah, you're you're just like tossing off these things that like. You know, many PhD trained political scientists uh, fail to grasp in their career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get them. I learned everything I know about sociology from watching Gossip Girl. There we go. I mean, that's the, the, the reason our PhD programs in, in the social sciences are failing us is because is the extreme lack of um, Gossip Girl in the curriculum. Right. Uh, all right. So let's, I mean, can, can we talk about this cotillion? Now, I think, right. Um, when the scene when Jenny walks into the rehearsal, we were in the in our pre planning for the show. We were having a little disagreement about this. I think the point of that is that um, that all those other girls are more like each other than any of them is like Jenny, you know, and that she is in the larger the the point that the the voiceover made was about uh, Big Fish Small Pond. I guess so. I mean, I, I see. I think there was that, but I mean, because I think you were. I, I think I think that's definitely one of the points. But then the way that you were um, defending that point was saying that they were all kind of dressed the same and in this kind of more preppy, high collar way, uh, as opposed to Jenny's more kind of uh, downtown style. And I think that there is still a um, right. I mean, because the other thing that the voiceover said is that they're kind of. Um, just as the mafia has the five families, there's also like the five families of the Upper East Side. Um, and so um, you, you sort of I think if you go through it very slowly, there's like slightly different like different flavors of like rich waspy that you see there. There's like the preppy like tennis playing uh, version. Sure. Then there's, there's like, like the, the slutty librarian version. Right. And there's right. Like the You know. Yeah. OK. I, I really, I, I actually hope that that is like, um, is, is showing that like in the, in the, as the season goes on, we'll actually get into the international politics of the Upper East Side, right? So that the, there's, there's going to be more about sort of alliances or competition or, uh, conflict between these various tribes of Upper East Side high school girls. Cause I think that would just be terrific. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That would be, I mean, that would be a far more interesting. I think, I think that may, I, I think in that sense, our reach may exceed Gossip Girl's grasp. Well, then I guess, I mean, wh- what happens when, when we start writing Gossip Girl fan fiction? Like, 
and, 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 and it's not at all even like a little bit sexual it's all about like more it's just more political than actual go- what does that what does that mean when i'm we googling set- gossip girl fan fiction uh right you now do, you do probably not want to do that <laughs> um so so i don't know so i think that there is i think you are right that there is definitely um a lot of like jenny being terribly insecure um and 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 feeling that she's never fitting in um but i think that you know so i think that that plays into the action of the of the 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 plot um in a few ways right so i think that that is how sorry i have to read you some descriptions of gossip girl fan fiction this you you, you really it can't wait it can't wait till i finish my thought (laughs) okay finish your thought i'm gonna let you finish (laughs) oh thanks um but uh, yeah you're gonna let me finish but this gossip girl fan fiction is some of the best fan fiction of all time (laughs) right um so i think that it motivates her um falling out with eric and her kind of like you know sort of kind of treating him in a shitty way that then pushes him towards towards Blair and pushes him to pull Blair into the situation. Um, and I think that it also, in terms of the interesting thing is like a different kind of show would just allow her to be insecure and then have her fail at the, um, at the cotillion, you know, after, after she stood up. But the fact that this may be a more agency oriented show than, um, many others is that she can she innovates right she calls nate and sort of wins the whole thing uh which is like uh which shows a, a room for kind of individual ingenuity and again in, in my kind of gossip girl political fan fiction i would uh uh i, I would i would cash that out a little more um and, and see how because you know at the end they're like oh all the girls from the other schools want to meet you um and so you know, I hope that like that dynamic would uh, will carry forward. I mean, well, it's out, you know, very- outfoxing Blair is you know that is that is an achievement. You know, totally. Yeah, I mean, which is interesting because what it's actually saying, and and in some ways that's why Blair named her queen. Um, but what that means is that you know she actually earned this title in in some kind of a merit kind of way, right? It was performative rather than. Uh, strictly sort of hereditary um, or, you know, sort of uh, aristocratic or oligarchic. So even like Blair in doing this, so Blair knowingly or unknowingly, you know, helped to sort of dismantle this thing because it's like no one who was of that world would have been um, fit to to lead in the way that Blair did, right? Because Blair is a kind of a strong leader, right? um, And, 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 and so she does kind of, as a, you know, a stateswoman, recognize that, you know, this kind of strong leadership, um, both in this kind of like power strong, but also almost in the kind of Bloomian kind of, you know, strong poet kind of way, right? The, sure. like, the kind of creative misreading of, of, of the norms of leadership or something right. like that. Um, I, um, I, I think that she recognizes that Jenny has what it takes, even though if that means that some of what Blair created will be dismantled uh, necessarily. Creative, uh, creative destruction, if you will. Yes, uh, but we can. I'm sure we can get into Bloomian readings of, of Gossip Girl some other time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so I want to read. I want to read some of these because they really, <laughs> they really intrigue me. First of all, and this this fits with our uh, 
our uh, for some of our first things that we ever said in podcast form about Gossip Girl, uh, which is that uh, Chuck and Blair are where the action is in Gossip Girl. <laughs> nearly all the uh, nearly all the fan fiction focuses on. Uh, uh, Chuck and Blair. So there's a prequel, Gossip Girl free, prequel. Uh, Serena, Georgina, Blair are juniors at Constance Billard. Uh, Nate is a junior and Carter is a senior at St. Jude's. What happens when new money Chuck Bass transfers to St. Huh. Jude's? Huh. Huh. Right? That's now. I, this is kind of alternate universe, but I think it's that's that's sort of interesting, you know. Well, no, well how's it alternate universe? It, it does make sense that, like, I mean, last episode, one of the better nuggets I think from the last episode was about new money, and I think Chuck is like, you know, newer money than a lot of these, um, a, a lot of these these kids who are maybe like four or five generations deep wealthy, as opposed to, um, you know, his, you know, Bart Bass was a very self made man kind of thing. So I don't know that that is kind of alternate universe we um well yeah because he was the right who did we talk about the vanderbilts right yeah um, yeah we talked about the vanderbilts uh and even though they're like kind of a quintessential actual like american old money family that's only stretches back to mid-19th century it only stretches back to the mid-19th century but that's farther than uh the late bart bass right who um right sure 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 i mean right when the reference point is like the rest of america or like you know Sort of, you know, Donald Trumps of the world, or or, or something like that, or yeah, which Bill Bart Bass is, right? Um, I mean, so right, they're People old, who they're are rich that, because but, they have done something in their own lives, right? But compared to your European aristocracy, it's still, um, it's still not the same. Um, it's not as, it's not as Lil Wayne says, "Money so old, it got gray hair." Um, <laughs> Okay, here's one more. This is another Blair and Chuck one, and it's it's Blair and Chuck historical fan fiction. Her one desire was for a place with the queen. His one mission was to win her heart. And they would do anything they could to win their heart's desires, even brave the intrigue, danger, and scandal of Elizabethan England. I, I, you know, I think actually we would fit in right in with the, uh, <laughs> in this uh, in this community, right? Like, what's striking because a lot are of are there other... any members of the gossip gossip community guest on this podcast? Because we could we could really have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we should reach out. We should reach out to the Gossip Girl fan fiction community. So there's not actually a lot of sort of sexy fan fiction. It seems like no. I I mean I don't know. I, I'll 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 troll for it while we're uh, you you go on. What was the next thing we wanted to say about? Well, I think story? I was segueing. This actually was a segue. I mean, I, I don't oh know if you wanna... yeah. Speaking of, se- why do you need sexy fan fiction when you have last week's episode? Exactly. There is. I mean, and this was this was big in the promos for the episode. Uh, uh, that um, that they, they were. I think that they were advertising as OM three. Um, and, and then, <laughs> that and was a the, good promo. Did you did you watch? You can see the sixty second, the thirty second promo for the episode on YouTube. It was it was pretty damn good. Yeah, and no, I saw it, it on. I think I saw it on. I guess I saw it right after the previous. Cause I watch them live because I'm old fashioned. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they. Um, I get them on the waffles. Yeah, you, know, you get them on the waffles. You, you get high quality lossless gossip girl on the waffles. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, so, but I, I saw this and I was actually worried. 
Um, I was, I was, I was worried that like they were, it was going to be like a lame cop out that it wasn't even like, they weren't even going to go like that. It was like just a, a fake tease, a misdirection, which like we complained about gossip girl doing and some of its plotting and advertising. All the um, yeah, but, but they did, um, you know, there was a, I mean, it was tame. They, they kept it PG, you know? Well, uh, yeah. It's a show. I mean, it's a show targeted at teenagers though. That, that promo did exactly what it was supposed to do. Uh, you know, the parents television council got all up in arms, urged a boycott, which, you know, probably drove the viewership way up from where it would have been otherwise and brought a lot of media attention to it. I mean, they're very savvy about getting attention, right? Right. No, but I, and I think that the interesting thing is though, so I was like, you know, went into it kind of skeptical that it was going to be lame. Um, and you know, I tweeted about it. Um, and, and, and you, you kind of replied saying, you know, I tweeted saying, Oh, it was like the best, it just topped, uh, the, the Mad Men season finale, which had happened the night before. Right. Um, and, 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 and then you tweeted after you watched it and says, Oh, I don't know. That was tame. tame. And I mean, yeah, but okay. So right. I mean, as as I, you know, I was talking. So to, what to happens? Rachel, I mean, so I was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You you go on. I want to. I want to do kind of the point by point. You, you uh, want to do the play by play? Um, yeah. I mean, exactly. The uh, the is, recap. At this point, everyone who's listening to the to the show probably has seen it, right? I mean, we've called the listeners uh, who care about sound quality, care about like sort of. <laughs> Non pretentious or non non pomposity. We're not pretending <laughs> anything, so it's not pretentiousness. Um, and and then the, the the people who like just don't watch the shows. So, but I guess if we want to give a play by play, we can. It's a close reading. I want to do a close reading. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and go into it because uh, the comment that I was going to uh, uh, convey from Rachel will be uh, just as pertinent after we do the play by play. Okay, so uh, oh, Rachel, your your fiance who who called in last time and who yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> was, so, she, I, was I, she mad at how we made fun of her? Um, I, I so she only listens the pot to the podcast when I really actively encourage her, encourage her to listen to the podcast. Um, so after episode five, I, I had her listen to that one because it was like probably our best uh, so far. Uh, and then after the last one, I, I didn't even I didn't bring it up. Um, so so she. <laughs> She didn't hear. But her comment about that, uh, she was also thought it was uh, too tame. And, she, and I think uh, what, to, to more or less, to paraphrase what she said, she's like, they couldn't even give us a, just a little bit of over-the-shirt groping, um, you know, a little bit of over-the-shirt uh, boob touching, uh, you know, just to make it like... Uh, yeah, underwear. I mean, you know, we see lingerie on Gossip Girl from time to time, mostly True. on, mostly right. on Leeton Meester. Right, right, uh, but, right. So you, uh, you, so you want some some USOB action? You want some? Uh, <laughs> you want some? You want some under the shirt, over the bra? <laughs> right. At least, I mean, and if you have to, if it has to stay that to uh, maintain its rating, well, okay, I understand that. But okay, so okay, uh, so there... here's going because I, I think let's go through the close reading because I actually think it does. I will make an argument that it didn't need that to be plenty, uh, plenty, have plenty of kind of dramatic and textual, uh, sexual tension. And I will, as we do the close reading, I will Okay, so it's, the movie's on, everyone understands that, uh, Hilary Duff is going to, to go do the movie, uh, at least at this point. And, uh, they're all drunk at the end of a long day of doing, uh, doing... Stereotypical, it was like a, it was a newspaper article on like the 15 things to do before you graduate from NYU or something like that. Right, exactly, like the the college bucket list, which whatever reason, for whatever reason, they felt like they had to do as freshmen. They'd done 14 out of the 15 things, you know, uh... 
uh, Hillary Duff is onto the plot where it's like, oh, yeah, th- oh, you were trying to convince me to stay. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, come on, the night's not over. We still got one more thing to do. What is it? And and, and, um, and they and Dan and, and Dan and like the and Vanessa, Vanessa like, exchange a knowing look and say, "Oh, never mind. What? What? What is it? No, no, no. Never mind. Really, it's like it, it can't be Duff, that bad." <laughs> Hillary Duff grabs the paper, reads it, and says, "Oh, uh, yep, that's it. Have a threesome." And well, they, I think she plays. I think this part of why the scene works is I think she plays it very well, right? So she looks at it and she she's kind of like. Um, it, you know, it's it's one of these things where she's like, "Oh, I see," but then it, she like conveys her interest in doing it in a very kind of subtle way. Like, you know, Dan is like too like obviously Dan is in favor of this, right? Um, and like everyone's in favor of this, but like it's the kind of thing that would actually like fall, like fall prey to it. It's not a collective action problem; it's like a coordination problem, right? Um, in in game theoretic sort of terms, that everyone like kind of wants this to happen, but no one wants to uh, assert that they want it to happen for fear of someone else not wanting it to happen, right? Sure. And okay. so and so, there's, like, a whole game theoretic literature of these types of games and, you know, what kinds of social situations are like these types of games. And here is one like this where, you know, you can imagine another equilibrium where... They where where they don't have the threesome because you know no one has a way no one wants to take the risk of saying yeah let's 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 bust a three and everybody goes oh my god you're a pervert right so the way that Hillary Duff's character plays it um, is that she kind of makes this um, uh, is a very kind of subtle uh, thing where she kind of like it's just, there's just a look where she kind of looks up and smiles and looks at both of them. Um, and then, and, 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 and then initiates the, you know, she first kisses Dan, then kisses Vanessa. And then, you know, they, they, they know what the next thing they have to do is. Right. right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it's like, but it's before it's like, Dan, have you ever know Hillary Duff? Have you ever, well, it was on, it was in a movie. So it know? doesn't really count. Yeah, it right? doesn't really count. Vanessa, have you, or Vanessa, have you ever known? And then the last one is Dan and Dan's like, no, no, never, never. Then right, she, right. she looks and she kisses uh, Dan. And then there's a shot of Vanessa kind of reacting like, okay, this is a, I mean, boyfriend and girlfriend kissing. Okay. But this is a little hot and heavy with the third person present. Right. It's like awkward, right? Yeah. Like, um, but then Hillary once, Duff looks once, over the, once they get Vanessa gets into the action, she's totally into it. You know, proving once again that she's a fucking hypocrite. Um, right. But that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vanessa. Uh, n- now she's a hypocrite slut. <laughs> and I know, and it's going to be awesome. But let's get to that uh, after we finish the close reading. Okay. I think it's so the- then, then like right, the um, b- I think the important thing in a scene like this is the control of the release of information. Right, like who knows what when. Well, exactly. And so, right. And mm-hmm. so then, uh, so at we we don't know that the threesome is going to happen when. Uh, when Duff, the Duffster kisses Dan, what's her character's right. name? I forget her character's uh, name. Uh, Olivia. Yeah. Olivia kisses Dan. And, uh, you know, a little hot and heavy with a third party in the room, but like, okay, boyfriend and girlfriend kiss. But then, you know, slow look to Vanessa, hmm. you know, right? Reaction shot of Vanessa as her eyes widen, and the Duffster leans in to plant one on her lips. Right, right, while right, Dan, right. While Dan does that kind of slightly pouty, wide-eyed uh, reaction look that uh, uh, Penn, what's his name, Penn Badgley. Penn Badgley, yeah. yeah. Badgley. Penn uh, Baggy. <laughs> <laughs> baggy. Penn Baggy shorts uh, does. Um, right, and then 
uh, Hillary leans back, the dubster, Olivia, leans back, and, you know, it's kind of like, okay, guys, you know, go for it. And I well, think the idea is that, like, Vanessa has been pining for this for right, a while, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's a dramatically important scene, like, because this is, like, it's the first time, even though there's been, like, on and off romantic tension between uh, Dan and Vanessa throughout, like, her introduction in, like, a few episodes into season one, this is the first time where you, you see them kiss. So it's a major, like, in terms of, like, a a plot arc um it's like it's like a big resolution moment this right? is maybe the longest that the gossip girl writers have ever held on to something right right exactly and so and i think that that's what made it a really amazing scene and so when they kiss it was a really well shot well blocked scene too because they kiss and then they part and and hillary duff uh, olivia's right there in the middle right it's right so, there. Yeah, yeah yeah it's framed up so, so that like as their lips come apart you see her kind of staring and smoldering intently at them and you have to wonder if if she if olivia is setting dan up with a piece on the side for while she's away in europe it's it's that's an interesting i never thought about it like that um whether she had that much forethought and i think we'll well let, let's hold that because there's another important part of why this i think this scene was really um you know a, a sort of had uh mad men-esque levels of sort of dramatic uh uh tension um, which is that the music was was perfect, was pitch pitch perfect um, in the scene as well, right? So the the, the music that was playing throughout this scene um, is, is a cover of Ti's "Whatever You Like" uh, by this like female singer songwriter named Anya Maria, um, and it, it's just amazing. Um, I, I imagine this you, is why no no discussion of Gossip Girl can be complete without a comprehensive knowledge of indie rock. Right. Well, I mean, so I didn't know. I mean, well, if you just do indie rock and didn't know hip hop at all, like right. like one of those intolerable people who exist, right? These people are like these like well, I think they're called like uh, there's an article from a I think a New York Times uh, writer Khalifa Sana, uh, calling people rockists, right? That they're like indie rock people who like oh I don't like hip hop at all um so if you were one of those people you wouldn't get this like the the second level of this song so even if this song weren't a cover of a TI song um it would work well cuz there's it's kind of the verses are done in in a way that that increases tension right the the, the strumming is kind of very muted um, and then it, when it breaks into the chorus, it's just a big old musical orgasm, right? So, um, so they, 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 the tense scene is in the, in the part where it's, you know, it may or may not happen. Um, and then once they start kissing is where they, the, um, they break into the, um, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. And it's just like, awesome. Um, it, it is, and then, and then it works because it is like a, uh, you know, a raunchy, auto-tuned rap song that is done as a as a you know the fact that there's a female singer really matters uh to it as well and so it just it really is part of what made it a very kind of uh tense scene both from this and we lose Ryan for a second again. I think like- he was gonna we lost you it makes it a tense scene both from the perspective of sexiness and from uh and like narrative storytelling got it okay so then we cut back uh after the night is over and we see the three of them laying in bed together which is when the reveal happens that the movie's off uh olivia is not traveling to europe and so now we have a love triangle which takes us uh oh you know through february sweeps probably um 
you know, that's interesting. I mean, do you think that she stays around then? So they really like almost signed her up as a major cast member then. I mean, I don't know. They could, they could wind this up faster. No, knowing Gossip Girl, I say Hillary has two more episodes max. Max. Okay, she'll be gone before Christmas at least. I think she'll be gone before Christmas is my prediction. Um, Like, again, if Gossip Girl were Mad Men, yes, she'd be around. She might be a permanent cast member, but um, it is not. She might just show up. She might just show up unexpectedly, you know, right? Like, next season for one episode and like right. you're, you're left right. to ponder the the deeper meanings of right you know, exactly Weiner and but uh no but gossip girl is not madman and these these writers can't hold on to anything but in this scene in this scene it really did and i think you're totally right that part of it is because this is the, like the dan vanessa arc is like the longest arc that they have uh, held on to throughout the three-year uh, the three season run of the show. So, and it, it what, just what, are we, what are we to what are we to uh, infer happened between them? Because they're all you know they're all shirtless in bed, right? Like uh, snuggling. It's a group spoon. You know, it is a group spoon. Um, <laughs> so is it is this a post coital group spoon or is this a post you know second base group spoon? It uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> No, well, I, guess I, I mean, we'll I think find it, out. It, we'll it find matters out to me. Week. I want to know. I, I want to know. It matters to me. You're so uh, curvy. Um, well, it'll also, I mean, it matters. I'm, actually, it matters I'm, because... I'm working on a fanfic, right? That, uh, you know, that details the, the, uh, the blow by blow, if you will. <laughs> Uh, I, I will uh, not. I, I, I'm here strictly <laughs> sociology. What happened? It actually, this God, this doesn't this make you think back to high school and like, what did, what was, uh, what was one sex life like before you could actually have sex? And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> how did you know it was time to stop? You know, <laughs> right? Like, to, again, just, again, I'm going to just defer to my, like, these even weren't even like meta issues in like, in <laughs> Lancaster County, in, in, in Amishville, um, you know, like, uh, you know, what, like under, under the bonnet over the frock, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, or something. Um, but well, okay. I think it does matter. Um, also I think because this is going to be like, you know, the, the teaser for the next episode, uh, indicates that you know because Olivia is staying around, you got this love triangle. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I think I think how much uh, I think uh, how much happened will I think we may even get some tease of how much uh, how much happened because I think it will be proportional to the level of uh, emotional carnage. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So uh, you know, let's stay tuned. Now we haven't even. Um... We haven't even gotten to Glee, but I think the, uh, you know, we're, we're closing in on an hour here. So I think the thought is that we'll skip it, huh? Yeah, I think, I think that's all right. I mean, I think the Glee, you know, we can, we can just maybe tease next week. Um, You know, this wasn't, I think at its best, like Gossip Girl, you know, I I don't know I guess we can talk briefly about why, why did we include Glee in the podcast to begin with? Um, Because at its best, Gossip Girl can fill uh, you know, uh, a cool uh, 50 minutes, no problem. I mean, we didn't even, we could go on and on. We spent 10 of those totally. minutes talking about indie rock. Like we could, you know, we could, Oh, right. Yeah. No, we, and we could have gone you know. deeper into a lot of these, uh, a lot of these issues. So, so the, I guess, yeah, Dan you know, went it, deeper into some issues during that threesome. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> that's what both, that's, that's what both of the she's said. Um, <laughs> 
but but I think that you know I guess maybe a question that I want to raise and we can meditate on for a little bit and if if we want uh, you know address with examples from this week's Klee, which was you know back from uh, hiatus after the fucking Yankees winning the fucking bullshit world fucking series um, is 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 that you know why why have Glee on this podcast at all like um, you know um, it, it certainly other than other than to hit a broader uh, target demographic because you know like. Uh... Uh, other than to encourage Matt Blinky to spam our our uh, podcast, and, and <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. We got another. We got another hate la- letter from him about the lack of content. It, it was a love hate. It was a love hate. Um, <laughs> He's Matt Blinky. Matt, and I know you're listening to this, Matt, because you are like the Parents Television Council. You know, like obsessively cataloging every. <laughs> Uh, every, I don't know, like F-bomb or something like that, or every, you know, supposed lapse in, uh, in continuity. Well, no, I don't think we'd argue, I think we, we don't argue that there are lapses in continuity. We argue about whether we give a shit, but maybe, maybe at some point, this is almost what I predict because we are in the business of making prediction in this podcast. I predict at some point (laughs) Glee will make a continuity lapse that will be so egregious that I will fall off the wagon. And then when overthinking it get, is getting bought out by another company, I will have to go, uh, you know, we, we both will go hat in hand uh, to Blinky to ask him to join our new overthinking it website that we're starting. Um, right. and, he, and, 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 and he'll say, well, oh, no, why do you want me? Uh, you know, you, you criticize me for Glee. And then we will have to sort of eat crow and say why we were wrong and why we need him to be paying attention to continuity. Uh, <laughs> not to be around for another like nine I know. months well like you i mean in case our listeners don't get it what ryan was referring to is don having to go to pete hat in hand and uh make in the case, season yeah in Sorry? the season finale and make the case to him that that don thinks he's valuable a valuable addition to the new upstart indie firm yeah exactly um, so, but, so I guess, yeah, so, um, why other than, other the, than, well, why is, yeah, why is on Glee the podcast? On? Yeah. yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that Glee is, I think that Glee is a, I think it's a sociologically smart show. Yeah. It's more of a, it's more of a satire, you know, than, than Gossip Girl is. Right, 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 uh, right. So I think it's operating under, in fact, I, you know, I, and here's the thing. I think that Glee is a farce, really. It's a farce with some satirical uh, elements. Yeah. And yeah. this is something that Pete Fenzel, who's another writer on Overthinking It, actually once, once said that I thought was very perceptive. And he said it about Anchorman. And he said, the problem with Anchorman is that it's a farce disguised as a satire. Hmm. You know, like the point of Anchorman and the fun of it is that there's a bunch of funny people acting stupid. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing is being satirized, uh, right? Like, what, right. And, no, that's and a good if, point. If so, because it's said in this, like, yeah, because it's said in this, like, it? like, do we not period. know that sexist jerks from the 70s are yeah. bad? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 is that yeah. something that that needs to be kind of you know pointed out to us using humor to to soften the blow? No, uh, but because it takes this kind of tone, right? Yeah, I, I think like a because because the area of the humor is kind of battle of the sexist stuff. Uh, it it gets and and b because it takes this kind of knowing tone uh, yeah. in the humor, uh, which is a hallmark of a lot of of like post arrested development. Right. Right. You know? right, right. 
humor, uh, kind of insider humor, it gets tagged as a satire, which it's not. And I think that Glee, you know, to deal with Blinky's sort of supposed uh, defects, lapses in continuity that are supposed defects, uh, you know, I think Glee is a farce. You know, I, I, I mean, I think Glee takes place to a certain extent in a cartoon universe yeah. uh, where, you know, where... Um, Hammer space. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hammer time. Uh, where you can fall off the cliff and then bounce back up to the top again. And I, but, uh, you know, Just for those of you who are both not, uh, for those of you listeners who are not frequent readers of... Um, uh, of, of of overthinking it or cartoon aficionados. Uh, we just had a piece on on Hammerspace uh, in the past week uh, up on the site. That and Hammerspace is, I guess, the I, the uh, name given in sort of cartoon circles, uh, cartoon theory circles, I suppose, to like the space where Bugs Bunny can pull the hammer out of and then where it can disappear to. Right. The um, and it's 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 like the same kind of space where it's like a clown car with like. You know, lots of it's a it's a space that doesn't like follow the rules of traditional space time. That's actually, and that's why the clown car gag works and works again and again, and is always amazing when you see it because it imposes a different physics on right. real physics. Right, and so I, and so I think that um, you know I think that 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 Glee is very much um, has this kind of like a different kind of um, narrative physics, um, and I think that. Um, you know, and, but at the same time, it ha- so it's, it has right. a and very, it's like, it's very, and it's, it's like, look, consistent, I think in that of, way. So- one of Belinky's, one of Belinky's, uh, problems was like, oh, look, the cheer, the cheerleaders are all at practice right. and, uh, I guess they're all back from academic suspension, huh? And it's like, look, that was dealt with in episode 4.5. Right, 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 right. Like that was dealt with between episodes. It's really not germane to right. to what that exactly. show is trying to do, and you just got it. You just got to swallow it. I think that I, you know, I think a far more cogent criticism of Glee would be that it's misogynistic. But we, but maybe we'll have to take that up next but time. So, we also, so, uh, we also have to take way? up the, the identity politics. We all, we have to take up the identity politics of Glee because this this most recent episode was about difference. Uh, yeah. And the kid in the wheelchair, and the gay kid, and the kid who stuttered. Oh, uh, you know, and, who uh, I like? and, and, and a new, and there's a new. Um, what's 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 the what's the what's the correct term for retarded? <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, here, here's the thing: like, we don't say retarded if people have different kinds of cognitive. No, I know uh, deficits. I mean, that was my point. That, that was yeah. the point of the uh, of my of my comment um, of my of my retarded. There's a, yeah, there's a cognitively disabled sort of Down syndrome looking person who yeah who and oh Matt, this was another one of Matt's things that like I'll bet this character never shows up, but like you know what? Like I think that the touch of humanizing. Sue yeah. a little bit yeah. is something yeah. that I, I appreciate because she'd become too Machiavellian and too mustache twirling. Well, and too like a bit of a a, a character. I, I think the scene where where Sue goes not and that re- they're not all caricatures. There's nowhere no, but- to hang. There's nowhere, nowhere, nowhere to hang your hat on that. Yeah, show, right? there's but, no one that you this can was totally identify this with an and think that like I'm This is this is the level of university discourse right here. Um, sorry, what were you gonna say? <laughs> It's okay. I'll mix me up. <laughs> I'll mix me up when we uh, when I when I put cool. this online. Yeah, that's, what, I, I guess we... I should really learn how to do all this stuff so I can uh, both <laughs> both share the burden, but then also uh, 
edit you out when you say mm-hmm. something that I don't like. Um, but no, I think what I was going to say is that I actually thought that scene where, because uh, yes, they are all characters, but rah, 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 rah. Uh, I, I didn't warm to the Jane Lynch character uh, immediately because I thought she was like just playing the character that she play has played in like every you know um, every one of the Waiting for Guffman Best in Show um, yeah, the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. Um, but I think that this was really cool. Um, because I mean, it was it it wasn't like a showing. You know, they still haven't shown many many sides of her. But the fact that she's going and reading to uh, her uh, her her cognitively uh, challenged sister. I, I mean, I, I like that that like scene almost made me like well up because it was just like the way she she played it was just very subtle and nice. And you know, it was like such so different from the kind of catchphrase not catchphrase but kind of quick one-liner spouting um way that she usually plays the character that it was just really interesting i mean yeah, i guess the question not, is it's not that sorry. she's not realistic you know it's not that that character isn't well drawn because i think these are not categories that that apply to glee but i think if she's just this machiavell right um she's boring right but i guess the question is so maybe even more important then does the uh, does the cheerleader that she um, uh, takes onto the team? Uh, like I don't think it really matters. I don't think that character will come back, and I don't think that matters. I guess the question is: Will that kind of side of Sue come back again, or will in the next episode will she just go back to being purely Machiavellian? You know, I think that that is a more important question, um, and how how Glee deals with kind of character in that way will be important to. You know, it's sort of long time. I think it remains to be seen. I think, I mean, I've enjoyed Glee a lot. I think it's doing a lot of interesting things. But it could be one of these shows like Scrubs where, like, I liked season one of Scrubs and then got really tired of it. Um, and so I think it'll, it, will, it remains to be seen whether, you know, how all of these different ingredients will work out for the long haul uh, and how long their haul is, so to speak. Yeah. So, yep. So what do you think about all of these things? You can be the third podcaster. Uh, Join us for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Subscribe on iTunes, Twitter about the show. Our our new Twitter uh, thing is uh, what TFT podcast at uh, the at the Twitters. And um, we uh, oh, what? God, I've, I'm out of Call it. us uh, again. Uh, no, no, at 20FatJog01, that's 203-285-6401, or email podcast at overthinkingit.com. You can also leave a comment on the show notes or use the contact form on the site. If you do, do it for the children. Do it for the young adults. And do it for these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers. Yeah, that's really interesting. We had these. We were together on these and uh, these and teenagers, but we were apart on the fucking. <laughs> that's okay. I'm not that into you. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>